Hello and welcome, friends. I am Desi. I am your host, and this is Ace in the Wild, and this particular intro episode I'm going to call Origins. This is some of my background, and I have an itinerary of things to discuss, so hopefully I won't spend two hours editing for a 20-minute uh, video or however long this ends up being. I was born in Renton, Washington, to two loving parents. At the time, my dad was recently unemployed. He uh, worked at a bank, and he had some issues with management. So I was raised at my grandma's, and my grandma is still alive. She's uh, just turned 90 about a year ago. Healthy as ever, really got me into gardening. Um, I'm sure I'll have more to say about her in the future, but really a wonderful woman. My grandpa, also a wonderful man, unfortunately passed away of smoking about 15 years ago. I was very close to my family early on when I was a toddler and such. I was a rambunctious child, but I did have a very supportive family. My dad was around because he was unemployed, so I had both of my parents. When I was about a year and a half old, I had an intestinal blockage, and I nearly passed away at a very young age. I was fortunate. I went to Children's Hospital. And I went to ICU, and they were able to remove the blockage. But I had to be in antibiotics at that age. And I, my growth apparently was a bit stunted, according to my dad. But I'm not sure how true that is. I, I made it through because of the antibiotics and because of the complications and procedures. I often got very sick when I was a young child. And I didn't really become healthy until about five years old. My uncle um, and his Three boys were very close to me. We spent a lot of time together, and I have a lot of fond memories of that time. My grandma was wonderful. My mom was around quite often. She, she was actually working, though. She was carrying us while my dad was unemployed, so I did get a lot of quality time with my dad at that age, which I'm grateful for because I, I have so many fond memories of like zero to five that age. One of them that was not so fond, though, was the bee incident. When I was about... I think I was about two years old. This was one of my earliest memories. I was out in the front yard with my grandma, and I was just wandering around the ivy patches, fiddling around. I don't know what I was doing. And I found something on the ground. It was a must have been like a beetle or something or a toy or whatever. But I sat down, and all of a sudden I felt this tingling and this buzzing near my backside. And so I got up. And unfortunately, I had sat on a nest of ground wasps, and they proceeded to sting me about 20 times, I don't know, 15 to 20 times. My grandma came in and rescued me, but that's one of my earliest memories of remembering getting swarmed by a bunch of angry wasps. And it was not a fun experience for me. And to this day, I have a, I have a very subconscious lizard brain fear of wasps. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, I'll be out and I, I love being out in the woods and hiking and everything else. But if I see a bee, I will start swatting on it. Or not a bee, a wasp. I love like honeybees, whatever. Just wasps, yellow jackets, especially. I hate, I cannot stand yellow jackets. I just think they're rude, nasty little insects. And I have trauma because of that. But moving on from that uh, rather unfortunate experience, when I was about five years old, my dad found employment with his current partner in developing and contracting, and he went back to work. And he was an avid golfer too, and a lot of his job revolved around like meeting people, so he was gone quite a bit 
after I was five years old, and my mom was my primary caretaker. And unfortunately, around like seven or eight, she went through a depressive episode, and she was she was wonderful. My mom is one of the strongest people I've ever met, but depression is a terrible disease, and it hit her at a very unfortunate time in her life. And despite her doing the best she could, she was basically more or less uh, mentally absent for a period in that time. And my dad, of course, was working and absent. And I got myself into some trouble at school. This is uh, very much a time when I was really acting out. And I didn't really have the greatest social skills because at five years old, at four years old, or whatever, I had moved out into the country as an only child. I also haven't mentioned that I'm an only child. I also don't have a great deal of social interaction with other kids, so I wasn't socialized. And on top of that, I kind of was threshold on the autism spectrum, so my social cues and other understandings were not as fine-tuned as I would have liked them to be. And this created some problems. At this time, I also started to really kind of gravitate towards towards girls versus boys as seeking friendships. I, I tended to get along better with girls, and a lot of my friends at that time were girls. And I went to public school from first to fourth grade. I was kind of a hellraiser at that time. Again, it might have been for attention-seeking or whatever. I really didn't have a whole lot of friends at the time, again, based on the factors I've mentioned above. But I did have my female friends who I just think girls are nicer. I still think that to this day, although that is not by and large how it is. There are plenty of there are plenty of nice men that I've met too, including my best friend who I'll mention later. When I was about a ten, I went to a private Catholic school. I was getting in trouble at my public school because I had no respect for authority. This is something that kind of came up. I thought adults didn't really know as much as they thought they did, and I was like, why should I respect them just because they were older? And this created a lot of problems later in life, especially in my formative years, is I just didn't have any real respect for authority. I kind of thought adults were, <laughs> I guess, overrated, <laughs> to think of a better term. It's like, oh, well, just because you're older doesn't mean you're... Like, I, I just I started to realize adults weren't perfect, but I just saw adults doing all these stupid things, and I was just like, okay, well, you guys really aren't worthy of my respect. About this time, I started to experiment with cross-dressing. When my mom was out of the house or whatever, and I had the house to myself, which happened a lot because I was an only child, both my parents worked, I used to go in and I used to try my mom's clothing. And in hindsight, this really was the start of my gender dysphoria. Again, my desire to be friends with girls versus boys and having, I, I had a, I have a lot in common with both genders and this to this day is something that I've reconciled recently, but it's still something that I occasionally struggle with. But at the time, of course, that was like the worst thing ever. My dad is, my dad's family is very conservative and that is big taboo to show any sort of femininity. I couldn't really do anything about that because that's who I was. I'd always been that way, but it really started to kind of manifest itself when I was about 10, 11 years old is when I really started to uh, have my gender dysphoria issues. And my dad was absent during this time as well. And when he was present, as much as I love my dad, he could be very critical. 
I was a very mediocre student at this time, partially because I had uh, discovered video games, because this was the late 90s, and there was this game called Age of Empires that came out, and it consumed my life, and there's these city builders. This was very much the golden age of early classical video games, and it swept me away in its, in its wake, and I became very into games. So I got kicked out of the private school that I was in. I got into some trouble. Like I said, I was kind of a hellraiser as I was a kid. The first, I mean, I think the real thing that ended it, well, I guess the first thing that caused it was I liked to, when it was raining, I liked to build like dams and ditches or whatever. And there's this irrigation ditch next to the baseball field. And during one of the big November rainstorms, I decided I was going to reroute the water system and make like a dam or whatever, but that dam broke, and instead of going back into its original course to the drainage area, it broke the levee, went over into the baseball field and flooded the entire thing, and needless to say, the older children and kids and the teachers were not happy with me when they went out to play baseball and their entire field was flooded. So that was like strike one and two. And then strike three was I broke one of the big lights when I was kicking kickballs. I kicked a kickball. I had a really good foot. I guess I could have been a punter in the NFL. I had a really good leg and I kicked one of the kickballs. And actually, it might have been a basketball because basketballs, if you kick them right, you can get a really good boot on them. And I booted one up and I broke one of the lights way up about 30 feet in the air and it was a royal pain in the ass for them to fix. I had to do a bunch of like school community service and they just got tired of me being rambunctious. And so from sixth grade to eighth grade, I was homeschooled by my mother. At this time, she had found some medication that worked for her that really sort of ameliorated the worst of her depression. And that was a very wonderful time in my life. But again, I was already having issues with being socialized and being homeschooled sort of exasperated the problem. And from like 12, 13, 14, I was extremely, extremely unsocialized and I had a lot of issues. And this goes into when I hit puberty. Now, before this, I was very bisexual, I guess I could say. Like, I was, I was, um, before puberty, I was kind of attracted to both. I had, like, I think my first crush was a girl, but I also was, in hindsight, of course, this is something that I've kind of blocked out as time went on. I was very much also attracted to boys. But as I hit puberty, I was like, oh, wow, girls are really pretty. And that's what I was encouraged to express. So that's the way I went at that time. My first crush was when I was 14. It wasn't, I never really had, when I hit puberty, I had like the attraction and the fuzzy wuzzies that happened, but nothing really beyond that. But I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it because I was going to a Christian school at the time and apparently talking about sex and other things that are very relevant, especially to someone who is on the asexual spectrum, is something that wasn't talked about. So I just assumed I was normal by not really wanting to have sex. It was interesting when my friends were all looking at porn because I was like, how can you do that? Like, no wonder this is so disgusting. Like, how can you do that? You guys, you know, act like you're so much better than me because, you know, when you have your Christian values, but here you are watching this grotesque debauchery. Like, I, I didn't understand it. And I remember one of the, my friend's dads, who was, could be very patronizing at times, and his wife could also be very patronizing very Christian, uh, he was looking at porn. And this was like early 2000s when everything was coming out. I'm a millennial, so I'm like the, the boomer of the internet age. And all this was new, 
And I remember I heard that like him and his kids, he had got his kids looking at, he hadn't got his kids looking at porn, but they found the websites he was looking at. And he had to go in front of his church and basically, I guess, uh, confess or whatever it was. And it was a huge deal. But for me, I didn't understand it. I just thought that they were really messed up people for doing that. Because like, I didn't understand, like, oh, how can somebody look at porn? This is so grotesque and disgusting. Like, how could anybody be into this? They, these are just foul, foul people, you know, pretending to be these godly Christian people, I guess, to hide something. But again, like, it's normal for people to be want to watch porn. I was in a Christian environment and nobody bothered to talk about sexuality. And I think that's a very important thing that should be addressed in any schools. But I don't really want to go too far down that rabbit hole. I don't want to be too vitriolic about like Christians because I've met a lot of good Christians in my life and they're not all like that. Anyways, my first male crush was um, my friend's younger brother who is now out and gay. I, it was very complex. We had a very, I wouldn't say we hated each other, but and I don't want to use names, but he was very rude, but I was also very rude and I would make comments about it. And at this time also, I was having a lot of my peers tell me, if asked me if I was gay and I was getting accused of being gay very often. In fact, one of my classmates who was gay, people assumed that we had some sort of relationship which was very odd because I really wasn't into sex at all, but I guess other boys, assuming the worst, assumed that I was gay. And that was pretty silly on their part, but like I, I was not a sexual, even though I was at the heights of puberty, I was not interested in sex. I didn't talk about sex. I didn't really talk about girls that much, even though I was attracted in my own way to them. My first crush was this super religious girl. And there's nothing sexual about it, but it was very strange. I was about 14 years old, and I hadn't even noticed her before. I just, all of a sudden, I just thought this girl was the most beautiful creature in the planet, and I felt like this we these weird sensations in my stomach and my body, and me being the unsocialized, unsophisticated, and immature child of a teenage boy that I was, I did not handle it very well. I didn't do anything like creepy or anything like that necessarily. I just was very obsessed with her and I would try to get every opportunity I could to talk with her. And that quickly, you know, made her not want to be around me very much. But fortunately, it only lasted about four or five months. She ended up leaving the school, not because of me, because they lived 40 minutes away. And they were probably tired of the uh, tiny school that I was going to and their uh, rather lackluster educational standards. So they went on to bigger and better places. But yeah, my first crush was, fortunately, was my only chemical crush, as I like to call it, because it was awkward and I hated like the feeling, especially now when I look back on it, it was very strange. At this time, I was in a very small group. My school that I went to, I think I had like six people in my grade. And all the 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders were all in the same classroom. I think to combine, there was maybe 20, 24 of us, 25 of us. So a very small class. Some of my friends at that time I still keep in contact with today. I was very fond of my, my small little social circle. The boys weren't too bad. In fact, the boys that are in that social circle I still talk to today. One of them, oddly enough, ended up committing a very heinous crime later on, which was a surprise to all of us. And I think he's still in jail for that. 
but uh, he had his own trauma that he was dealing with, and that is another topic on its own, and I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole too much. When I was 16, or my junior year, my parents transferred me to a much larger Christian school. At this time, my dad was, this was right before, this was a couple of years before the recession when the real estate market was taking off. My dad was making a lot of money. He had made a lot of good investments and the market was on fire at that time. So I got sent to a larger Christian school and I went there for two years. Initially, I hated it. I, like I said, I had issues with boys my own age and I had a lot of difficulty like transitioning into this larger school. I was very scared. I was very nervous. I used to wear hats all the time at that age because I was like trying to hide from the world, really baggy clothing. I dressed terribly. Um, like someone who enjoys shopping now, I would have like wanted to slap myself back then and be like, what are you doing, boy? At this time, uh, about when I was 17, I sort of acclimated and I had another crush on another girl. And this one, fortunately, was not a chemical crush. It was just like, oh, I want to like, cuddle and hold hand and watch movies like that is literally that was literally my idea of a perfect relationship it wasn't even sexual i did not have the confidence to talk to her at that time so i gave her best friend a note basically saying like an admiration note or whatever is some silly thing and fortunately it never went anywhere because it would have been a disaster anyway because i didn't know how to talk to people or deal with people i wouldn't say that i was hopeless around girls i just really wasn't interested in anything beyond like a sort of fuzzy-wuzzy connection. I had a fair amount of girls at that time who had crushes on me, and it got to the point where I wouldn't say that I wasn't aware of it, I just really wasn't interested because I wasn't interested in them. I had a very weird criteria for people that I wanted to date. Like, I had this one girl that I was kind of obsessed with, the one I wrote the note to, and again, it's one of those things where I didn't even notice her. I was in a class with her, like, in my junior year, I didn't even notice her, and all of a sudden, like, Oh my god, she's the most beautiful thing, the most beautiful creature to grace this earth. One of my first friends at that school also was a guy who I thought was very cool, and he ended up being gay. I might have had a crush on him too, but, you know, being gay was like the worst thing ever in a Christian world, so I wasn't allowed to explore those feelings. And at this time, I was constantly accused of being gay. This is something I was went through all through high school, and even in my new high school, like constantly being asked if I was gay, and being accused of being gay. And I, I didn't get it. Like, I was like, ah, uh, you know, I'm attracted to girls. Like, why, why, why do you keep bringing this up? I remember somebody finally answered me, and they're just like, well, you don't really show any interest. Like, you don't ever talk about girls. You don't show any interest. Like, what is wrong with you, more or less? And uh, yeah, that was my high school experience. At this time, I also discovered, like, I was into really into video games. It was a wonderful escape for me, because I didn't like... I didn't really want to deal with talking to people, so I had this outlet of video games. So that was nice. And I think we should move on to college now. I was a pretty mediocre to poor student in high school. My grades were pretty bad. I wasn't like failing, but also I, I did the bare minimum, especially with math. Like with algebra, I never even learned the formulas. I just guessed until I got the answer right. I, I found like ways to cheat, not have to learn the material. So that I never did homework. Like I just I went home and I played video games. My friend from my old school. I want I don't I don't want to use like we'll call him Rory. Yeah, I think Rory's a good name for him. But Rory would come over and we'd throw the football around and you know do like I guess what guys did. Rory was a very solid friend for me. 
and I still talk to him to this day, and I, I need to go, like, see him eventually, but I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, I don't really drink anymore, because that was the big thing in, like, the early 20s. Like, oh, let's just get together and drink. I guess that was, like, I guess that's what men just did then. Like, that's the idea of, like, hanging out, just going around and drinking. And around this time, when I first started college, I went to community college, and I met my BFF, Gary. And Gary was the younger brother of one of my, I guess, friends in high school. And Gary is still my friend, even though I haven't seen him in a hot minute. But a very nice individual who I liked from the get-go. And at this time, I really started to come into myself. I realized that there was something wrong with me sexually. I was not attracted sexually to girls. I was not attracted sexually to anybody at that time. And at this time, I started to use the term asexual to describe myself when I was about 19. And for a period of about six months, I would go around telling everybody, because, oh, I'm asexual, I'm asexual, I'm asexual. And eventually, my dad, who was like, okay, when is my son going to get a girlfriend? Because at this time, I hadn't had any relationships. I just had my, my stupid little crushes. And my mom and my dad were like, okay, when is our, when is our socially awkward son going to finally get his head out of his butt and like go find a girlfriend? I just was like, I am asexual. I'm not really interested in having a girlfriend. I just want to play video games and eat and eat sushi and, and chips. And like one of the memes for the ace community is, uh, I think we don't want sex. We just want cake or something like that. And for me, it was sushi and chips and salsa. When I was 19, I was just talking to my dad and his friends because they're just like, oh gosh, you're such a handsome young man. When are you going to find a girlfriend? Oh, well, I'm asexual. And that got a very, uh, a lot of eyes rolled and my dad was just like, you need to shut up about that. Like, that doesn't exist. Plants are asexual. And I still remember it to this day. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I shouldn't talk about that anymore because, you know, I guess asexual doesn't exist, even though it does exist and that's what I am. But that was a very formative period. I started to really gain a little bit of confidence a little bit. I still had my issues. And at this time, I had my friend Gary. But other than him, I really didn't have any other connections. I didn't have any female friends, which I think was a huge problem. Because, like, that is a, a side of me that I had repressed. It kind of came out when I was, like, 10, 11, 12. But, like, that quickly got shut down. You know, being accused of being gay and all that other stuff. And feminine. And so, unfortunately that part of me was repressed and that ended up having some dire consequences later on in my early adulthood and i just i remember i had no real connections with my male friends and it was very outside of gary gary is the sole exception here and gary also has a very feminine side even though i could never tell him that he'd probably get mad at me for that i got my first job at table pizza and i had some female i had this girl who had a crush on me there even though she'd never admitted it i wasn't attracted back to her and one of the managers even asked me out on a date at one time and i thought she was kidding and that ended up being a whole bunch of drama and i also had some rather contentious relationship with my managers there i had a tendency to go off and do my own thing and that caused problems because they just assumed that i was like some like aloof and better than them and i was also at this time in college and none of them I thought we're going anywhere, and I had this very kind of aloof attitude toward these people, and especially since I had experienced social rejection too. 
I just was like, oh, well, you just don't want to hang out with me because, you know, you're not going anywhere in life and blah, 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 blah. A very um, messed up way to look at it. And I got fired from that job about the same time that I was done with my college. I graduated when I was like 23, got my bachelor's from the University of Washington. I ended up like fixing my grades and when I went to community college and I graduated with like a 3-4 or something like that, which is pretty good. But after high school and when I was working at a table, I found I liked marijuana. And when I was 21 is really when I first tried it. And also when I was 21, I started experimenting with drinking. I initially was more of a marijuana user, but it made me nervous. And also when I went out of college, when I got out of college, I had a ton of time on my hands. I didn't have a job. And I was like, a, and around this time, I'd also discovered World of Warcraft. So I became a stoner gamer and then an alcoholic after that. And around this time, I also... But it was in my first and last serious relationship. It was with a girl. And we dated for about a year and a half. I lost my virginity, even though maybe I'll get into more detail later. But this is really where I realized I was asexual because I just was like, oh, well, you know, all this cuddling and holding hands and everything and then eventually kissing. I really enjoyed. We watched movies. We went kayaking. We did all of this fun stuff. And like, I loved the cuddling. Like the cuddling, even to this day, like I'm a, I'm a physical person despite being ace. But like the cuddling was like the best thing ever. Like if I could just cuddle for the rest. If I could be in a relationship with somebody, man, woman, or whatever, and just cuddle, like that really would be all that I need, honestly. And <laughs> again, this the huge red flag that I was ace. But again, at that time, this is only a couple years after my dad told me to shut up about being ace. So it was very traumatic when my girlfriend at the time wanted to sexually be active and I was just like, it was very dreadful for me because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to satisfy her that way. And it became a huge issue in our relationship. She felt rejected and I couldn't do anything about it. Like I wasn't able to perform like I it, it was not happening like I wanted to make her happy and everything and be a good partner but the sex was not happening I just was not into it and it was not going to happen and I, I think about three or four months into like us seriously dating I was able to finally please her that way but it took a long time and there was a lot of drama and it was a it was a learning experience, and that's really where I started to finally come to terms with the fact that I was ace, and that I would be fine never having sex again. We broke up when I was 22, about the same time I finished college. And I had a lot of time on my hands, which I used playing World of Warcraft, smoking marijuana, and more and more becoming into alcohol. When I was 23, after about a year of basically doing nothing, trying to find jobs on Indeed, smoking marijuana, spending the afternoons playing video games, and occasionally spending time with Gary and his younger brother who would come over and we'd have these big drinking parties. And they were over like once a week. Like they were, Gary was 20, I think Gary was a couple years younger than me. He was still in school. And then his younger brother was, I think, 20 or something like that. But we would drink, 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 and we would get, sometimes drink to the point of being sick we'd smoke a lot of weed we'd go out in the lake i live out in the country and we had a private lake where near where we live we'd go out and we'd just like go to the lake bring the lawn chairs sit in the lake on the hot summer days and drink all day 
and then we get back, play some video games, and drink all night. And then we get up and then do the same thing the next day. And it was a lot of fun at the time because I guess young people like that's oh we just figured we just found out alcohol exists so that's all we that's all we're gonna do and that's the funnest thing ever and it's kind of funny um when i hang out with younger people it's just like is that all you guys want to do is just drink it's like there's more to life than just getting drunk but at the time it was a new experience and it felt good to be drunk and at the time i was also having issues with depression so alcohol was a good way to not have to deal with those pesky emotions and sort of put that wet blanket over myself and not have to deal with the mundaneness of my life. And when I was 24, I got my first real job, the career profession that I'm in as an appraiser. And fortunately, I was putting my college degree to good use, but uh, I was not the best office worker because I found out that I didn't have to be working all the time. I had done physical labor before my first job was a painter, and you can't really slack off in those jobs. You have quotas, but when you're working in an office, you don't really have any sort of schedule. You can just, I had a tendency to procrastinate and do things at the last minute. So I would get a job, I had two weeks to do it, and then I'd, <laughs> I'd do most of the work within the last couple of days. So my poor uh, mentor, my senior appraiser, had to put up with a lot of uh, slacking from me. Bless him for that. And I met my friend, Robbie there too, who is also a good friend of mine. And he was dealing with a divorce at the time. He was a single father, heck of a guy. I enjoy him very much. Very great personality. He's from East Coast. He's a, he used to be a big Bills and Sabres fan. And uh, he's changed a lot since I, when I met him first. He was in his young 30s. He had just broken up with his wife, who unfortunately was dealing with a drug addiction. And he basically had to carry the slack for his family. But yeah, we got along right away. And, and fortunately, I had him as like sort of an older mentor to help me with my issues with anger and being upset. And he also liked to drink too. So we had that in common. About my mid-20s, Gary and his younger brother got relationships. They got girlfriends of their own. Gary eventually had a kid. And I went from seeing them on a weekly basis to seeing them maybe once a month. And I got very upset about that. Because it's just like, oh, I had these wonderful friendships and now they're gone. And that was really hard on me. And I ended up kind of pushing them away by being kind of needy. So that was unfortunate. I was very lonely and I was upset that I didn't have a partner. Even though I realized that I wasn't able to really have sex with anybody. So this was a very confused time of my life. And combine that with the depression caused by alcoholism. Well, depression amplified by alcoholism but i was treating my depression with alcohol which i didn't realize was a problem until much later i came across this community called migtow or men going their own way and it was very appealing to me at the time because i didn't blame women for being single i didn't really think it was my fault i just was like okay i was still living at home at the time i wasn't making a lot of money because i was slacking off of my job so i was just like you know what i don't want to pursue money. I want to pursue other endeavors. And I guess because I'm not a money seeker, I'm never going to be able to find a partner, which is a very flawed way of looking at things. And I regret viewing the world that way at the time, because I think it really imp impeded my progress in becoming fully functional human being. And my mental health was not improved by it. But initially, the MGTOW community was basically just like, okay, men, you know, we're not into pursuing money. We're not into going to the gym every day. And, you know, maybe we're not all the, we don't have the right social and social currency, social capital to really 
find a girlfriend because they're only really into the rich Chad sort of men. So we're just going to go our own way and find our own hobbies. And I thought that was very appealing at the time. And that's initially why I was into that movement. But I noticed this is about 2016 that there was a fringe group of these men who basically, even though this was men going their own way and doing their own thing, they just constantly complained about women and this thing called hypergamy. And I quickly lost interest, and I was like, wait, I don't hate women. I love women. Like, I thought that this was just men that were supposed to be, you know, developing their own hobbies and making themselves independent of basically looking. I feel like a lot of men, and I fell into this too for a short period of time, like their sole purpose of validation is how valuable they are to a woman, like their sexual, the sexual marketplace or whatever, whatever terms they used. Like, they value themselves based on how attractive they are to women, how desirable they are to women. And I feel like a lot of men struggle with this, and this is the main reason why the community, such as the incel community, exists. And I think that was the origins of that community at the time. But back in 2015, 2016, basically, it was just men, do your own thing. You know, like, if you want to be into video games, that's fine. If you want to... And I thought that was great, because I was like, I'm not really interested in pursuing a relationship. My last relationship was a crap show. And I'm just better off doing my own thing rather than having to struggle with trying to be in a relationship again. I left the MGTOW community after a few months because it was just constantly being filled with these men who were blaming women for all their problems, which I thought was ridiculous. And these men just legitimately hated women. They hated society. They blamed women for everything. Like They, they just thought women are uncreative. They just thought men were the greatest thing ever. And... and it was kind of funny how these men are just like, oh, we're the superior gender when they're just these sweaty, unkempt, hairy troglodytes living in their mom's basement or whatever. And it's it's why why they felt the need to blame women for their own shortcomings, I'll never understand. But I guess they don't want to have to... These are very unsocialized men. Like, I was at that point, but I never really blamed women for the way I was. I just was like, oh, well, I'm... I I'm, I'm, I live out in the country, I don't have a lot of experience with people, and I'm probably not going to find a girlfriend because my social skills are not at par. But fortunately, as I got older, I started to really kind of calm down and not be so upset at the world, even though I was still very much struggling with depression, and then COVID happened. I'm skipping forward a bit because I've already been rambling for 45 minutes, but COVID really was the low point where I just like, okay, you know, I've been lonely. My friend Gary had been more and more just, I hadn't been seeing him as much. And during, we'd had a lot of really bad arguments about just like, oh, well, you're neglecting me. You don't want to spend any time with me. And I thought that he was judgmental and it was, it was bad. And he just wasn't having it anymore because I was being toxic. So he decided to give our relationship a break, and that was probably for the better. But during COVID, I basically didn't see anybody, and I had my classic WoW. The reiteration of the current game came out in 2019, so that was a good time sink. I also started meeting my Wheel of Time community. I made all these new friends, I got this new game, and then COVID happened. Unfortunately, I had my guild in Classic WoW, and by this time we were doing Naxxramas, we were doing AQ40, all these, all these um, raids I never got to do back when I was a kid. 
because my I had dial up because I lived out in the country, <laughs> and so that was super fun. Next, Ramus, the original that came out in classic. Wow, I think was my favorite raid of all time. I I loved it. The guild I was in only killed the final boss like two times though, because we were just basically a stoner dad guild, as I like to call it. I guess it was 2020. 20, um, one of my favorite streamers, Wreckful, took his self-destructed, and that was very difficult for me because I thought he was making progress. He had been on this uh, one of my favorite online sort of therapist types. He's a gamer. He's called Dr. K. I really thought that during their interview that they made a lot of progress, but Wreckful had a lot of struggles, and he basically self-destroyed, and it devastated me. And around this time, I quit smoking cigarettes, too. And so right when I quitted smoking cigarettes, Wreckful passed, and it was really, really rough for me because I was going through cigarette withdrawals, and I was also dealing with depression. I had quit smoking, but I had not stopped drinking. So I still had my marijuana addiction and my cigarette addiction, or not my cigarette, my alcohol addiction. And on top of that, my favorite streamer had died. So it was very rough for me. And I would say late 2020 is one of the worst periods of my life. But fortunately, I had found my Wheel of Time community. Wheel of Time is a 14 epic series book written by Robert Jordan and finished by Brent Sanderson. If you're into fantasy, read it. You'll love it. We have an awesome community. And I went to my first convention in 2019. But fortunately, I had them and they were a great support network. We had a, a Discord that had a lot of supportive, loving people in it, and I was able to talk about my depression struggles, and they recommended therapy. And my friend Robbie, he went to therapy, and he had a lot of issues with toxic masculinity and just not being able to be express himself in a productive way. And in 2021, I really started to look around for therapists. And at that time, I got on a dating app. I was sort of coming out of my depressive hole. I was you know, trying to moderate my drinking. 2020 was a terrible year for my alcohol addiction. I was drinking probably six 12-ounce glasses of wine a day, and it was the cheap wine too. And plus I was entering my 30s, so like my hangovers were just so terrible I couldn't get anything done. So I wasn't making a whole lot of money. I was in a slump, and I didn't have to work because of COVID because I was getting, you know, money because of the pandemic, and my work had basically just dried up. So I was just in a really bad spot. A lot of us were. But in 2021, I met another person who I dated. We dated for about two weeks, and it was very interesting because when I met this person, our first date was, their name was Ezra, and our first date was an entire day. <laughs> we had met for the first time near the lake where I live, and we really hit it off, and they came out again. And we spent an entire day together. And it was a nice, like, May day. It was like 75 degrees. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm in heaven. I hadn't dated anybody. And Ezra was super chill with just taking things slow and checking in with me, checking with consent. Absolute angel of a person to be on a date with. And as time went on, we spent a ton of time together. We had some very serious conversations. And Ezra is a queer person. And they were also having issues with like coming to terms with the fact that they were queer. But Ezra was worried about what their community would think of them by dating a straight-passing person. And also the fact that I had an alcohol addiction that Ezra was becoming more and more aware of. Like just the amount of alcohol that I was consuming. I was like, oh, well, I need it to go to sleep. 
And at this time, I didn't really think it was an issue, which is something that a lot of alcoholics deal with. But um, I was drinking an excessive amount. I was getting hangovers all the time. Like, no wonder I wasn't making a whole lot of money. I was hungover half the day. And around this time, when I was dating Ezra, I decided that I was going to go to therapy. With Reckful's passing, with my friend Robbie getting it, and also me being in a relationship and wanting to be a better partner, I decided that those three coincided, and I contacted the therapist, and we hit it off, and I still am going to therapy to this day. And that's something I will get into in later episodes, because I think therapy is worth its weight in gold, and anybody could benefit from it. But Ezra and I broke up after about two and a half weeks, and it was for a combination of reasons. It wasn't just because they were, you know, worried about dating a straight-passing man. And it was very hard on me, but fortunately Ezra and I built a friendship and I was, we were able to salvage that and become best friends. And Ezra is still my best friend to this day. So I'm very grateful to have Ezra in my life. And after that, um, I started going to therapy. Eventually, I started doing therapy once a week. And at the end of 2021, I decided one of my resolutions was to quit drinking, or at least to stop drinking and only use alcohol during special occasions. And I have kept to that promised to myself since then and it was very helpful to tell other people that was probably one of my biggest things i had already quit smoking and um so with marijuana i ended up quitting that by myself i just stopped smoking it initially i was using it as a kind of a crutch to go through the alcohol withdrawals but eventually i just I was like okay this isn't doing anything for me i'm tired of being paranoid and when i quit drinking I quit for about five, I, I think I quit for a month and a half, yeah, so about six weeks. I was just completely reset my balance and everything, and I went to my mom to go visit my grandma's to go split some firewood for her. Like I said, she's 90 years old now, so she needed some help, and it was like, I think it was like almost Easter 2022, and I remember like the first glass of wine I had after my six-week fast, I, <laughs> I'd always given Ezra grief because they would have like one glass of wine and they'd be tipsy and it was pretty funny and I thought it was hilarious like oh you lightweight but I had a glass of white wine and my head felt like <laughs> I felt like my head it was like a balloon or something like in my, my head and it was it was great and ever since then I only drink probably once or twice a month and I've consistently stuck to that and it's I only drink with other people really it's a social thing for me. I don't, I, in the evenings, I listen to podcasts and I do work. And ever since I've stopped drinking, I've gone from, you know, making scratch to making probably twice the money I did before just by having more time and being able to take on more work. I'm self-employed now, so I set my own schedule. And when you're not drinking in the evening, it's easy to get work done. Strange how that works, right? And I've been listening to podcasts. I've been reading a lot and Overall, since I've quit drinking, my life has improved, and when Ezra and I were dating, that's really when I started to realize that I was not, well, I mean, I'd known for a, a while at that time, obviously, that I was asexual, obviously, that I was not only attracted to girls, I was attracted to everybody, and I also started to realize that I didn't really see myself as so much a boy. <laughs> I started to realize that I had feminine 
or what would be called feminine characteristics. I like to dress in all sorts of clothing. I like to wear makeup. And I could look in the mirror and see myself dressed in female clothes and see myself dressed in male clothes. And they both felt very natural. So that's where I just really established my non-binary identity. And that is something that I will talk about in the future, because it is not something that can easily be described. And this is just an intro episode. I think I've been going for almost an hour now, which is surprising, because when my first episode, it really helps having an itinerary for those who are starting podcasts. I've just been, I haven't had to edit much so far. I'm probably going to have to go do and edit some of the pauses, but it's been a uh, it has, it's been a lot easier since the first one. But uh, as where I am today, I drink maybe twice a month, as I said before. I rarely consume marijuana. I don't like the way it makes me feel. It makes me feel nervous. I don't like the anxiety. And um, I've gone from basically having Gary as my only friend to having Ezra, having Ezra's sister, having uh, a new friend that I met a couple of days ago in person that I've been talking to for basically a year. So I've tripled my friend, my, my social network, and I'm in a much better state mentally than where I was before. I've been going to therapy for over a year now on a weekly basis, and I'm at the point in my life where I'm not really worried too much about what the future is going to hold for me. Ever since I stopped drinking, my depression has basically, it hasn't disappeared, but it's become manageable. Like my lows are like, uh, you know, slight dips. They aren't these. They aren't these canyons that they used to be. That maybe where I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. And um, I think this is a good point to wrap it up. I wanted to give a background of my history, just so when we go forward, those of you who listened to me talk about myself for an hour, will kind of realize what the context of my opinions are based on my history. But um, thank you all for listening. I'm very happy that I was able to more or less talk for an hour without stopping. It really helps having a list of things that you want to talk about for these things. And I have had some really good advice and so a lot of support from my friends starting this podcast. And I will see you on the next one. Peace.